You're listening to the Boss Yourself First podcast, Season 1, Episode 1. If you want to be an effective leader, the first person you want to lead effectively is yourself. Self-leadership helps you create better relationships and a more fulfilling life, and in turn, lead others in a more authentic and impactful way. If this piques your interest, then stick around. I'm Robin White, your host, and this is Boss Yourself First. Welcome, welcome, friends, to Season 1, Episode 1 of the Boss Yourself First podcast. So, how are you doing? I mean, really, how are you doing? At the time of this recording, we're about seven months into a global pandemic, which for me personally has been disorienting and I've been riding a bit of an emotional roller coaster. I, I have to say that I felt a little shame when it all went down. I even talked to my coach about the fact that I should be doing this better because I'm a coach and I know all this stuff and I have all these practices in place, but there's just something about a global pandemic that can take the wind right out of your sails, or maybe it's putting a whole new wind in your sails. I'm not sure. But how are you dealing with the uncertainty? I have seen this in myself and I've seen it come up with my clients a lot lately. Um, This emotional roller coaster that is dependent on the news cycle of the day or even the minute. It seems like everything's constantly changing. What if I told you that we're going to spend this whole first season talking about something that will help us be a little bit more prepared, a little less feet knocked out from under you with the uncertainty of the times. Kind of like when you're skiing. I'm not a great skier, but I have skied some. And I know one of the things that I learned was that you just got to keep your knees bent. You got to be ready for the bumps and the changes in the terrain, and the depths of the snow, and those knees bent really help you. And so, uh, as I have talked with my clients and myself, I just thought that we might spend this season developing something called emotional agility, that flexible, balanced position that you can be in so that when you get the bumps and the knocks and the uncertainty, you can compensate and you can adjust quickly. Have you been struggling with your emotions as every news cycle tosses more bad news your way? I don't know about exactly where you're listening from, but here we have the pandemic. And like I said, we're about seven months in. In the middle of that time, we had tremendous upheaval and exposure of systemic racism in our culture. And we're dealing with that. And it's important and it's heartbreaking and it's alarming. And then how about the weather? I know that sounds like a strange thing to add in, but we've had some tremendous storms. In the western half of the United States is dealing with high heat and drought. In my state, we have the second largest wildfire going on that we've ever had, not to mention three other big wildfires that are filling our air with ash and smoke. It's just a lot, and it seems to be compounding. And I'm not trying to be a downer. I'm just saying that we have a lot of things coming at us and we need that agility to deal with it. So today we're going to lay the foundation for emotional agility so that we can get off this emotional ride and not be paralyzed by uncertainty in decision making and able to lead yourself and your team unshaken by the turbulent times. My goals for you and for myself are to finish this season with some new muscle so that when I ask you in 12 weeks or so, 
how you're handling the ups and downs of living in a pandemic, you'll confidently answer that you're feeling more agile, flexible, balanced, able to absorb those bumps that come your way. So today we're just going to lay the foundation, some of the principles that you need to know and understand to kind of start the work, and you're going to have a little homework, if you want it, should you choose to accept it, to go and grab a little bit of a measuring stick so that you can kind of monitor your progress as we work through this season together. What is emotional agility, and why is it important, first for you and then for your team? Well, first let's think about agility. Have you ever made the quick save, the sudden catch that nobody thought you were going to make. And in your embodiment of supernatural athletic ability, some might describe you as being agile. For some of us, it comes easier than others, and that's okay. But I kind of want you to keep in mind either when you made the catch or when you saw somebody make a great catch as we're talking about emotional agility. So we're going to riff off of Harvard Business Review's definition. Emotional agility is the ability to nimbly process your emotions, to adjust or maintain actions that align with your intentions and values regardless of circumstance. Okay, so that was the definition. Let's unpack it a little bit more. So nimbly process, that's that quick response and adjustment you have to make when something changes rapidly that you weren't expecting. But we're not just talking about a physical adjustment. We're talking about an emotional adjustment so that you can keep on course or maintain actions that align with your intention. You had the same purpose, but you had to make a quick adjustment to still accomplish that purpose. I know that was a lot. Just kind of let that hang there. You can circle back to it. I'll keep repeating it as we go along. And of course, it'll be on the podcast section of our website. So that's what it is. So why is it important? Well, so you can thoughtfully respond and you're not just triggered and reacting. You're actually choosing your responses. There is a quote by Viktor Frankl that says, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. Emotional agility operates in that space that space between stimulus and response. So what we're going to do together is we're going to help expand that space and we're going to work through our processes within that space. And yes, it'll be a little bit of work. It'll take some intention. It'll feel a little clunky at first, but by the end, it's like a muscle. We're going to get better at it and it's going to get stronger and we're going to get faster so that visibly it would not seem that there is this massive space between stimulus and response. But working through our emotions and processing our emotions will know that there's a lot going on. So how does that help your team? Well, a boss who is emotionally agile not only creates that space that Frankel refers to for herself, but holds that space for employees to increase their emotional agility. So for your team, the more you increase your emotional ability, the more you'll be able to accurately and compassionately read your team members' emotions. That enables you to connect better with your team and have more impactful conversations, which in turn increases engagement, innovation, and productivity. Okay, so on to the first principle that you need to understand to improve emotional agility. Here it is. Are you ready? Drum roll. We're created to experience every emotion. That's the principle. And part of this foundational work is going to be expanding and clarifying our understanding of emotions. There's the principle. We're created to experience every emotion. 
let's back up just a second and make sure that we're talking about the same thing in what we're calling emotions. So in neuroscience, there's a noted difference between emotions and feelings. Emotions are the chemical and electrical changes that our bodies experience, and feelings are the brain's interpretations of those changes. But for our discussions here, we will use the two interchangeably. So feelings and emotions, we're just going to use them both. And our simplified definition of emotions is just going to be vibrations in your body that deliver information. Simple. Vibrations in your body that deliver information. And we are created, remember principle number one, we are created to experience every emotion. There's not one emotion that's your enemy. So you may have some friends that say, well, I'm a positive person and I don't believe in feeling, and you can fill in the blank. I don't believe in feeling angry. I don't believe in feeling sad. I don't believe in feeling depressed. I'm positive. I'm going to switch everything to see the silver lining and I'm not going to acknowledge any of those negative things. And if that's you, and I really do say this with all sincerity, I hope it works for you. I want to encourage you, though, to suspend that belief for just a little while and get curious about the idea that we are created to experience every emotion. Keep an open mind, and let's explore this a little bit further. Dr. Susan David, a Harvard professor who literally wrote the book on emotional agility, because that's actually the title of her book, calls this the tyranny of positivity. And she says, when we push aside difficult emotions in order to embrace false positivity, we lose our capacity to develop deep skills to help us deal with the world as it is, not as we wish it to be. So let's be clear, we're not talking about believing the best in people or holding the thought that everyone is doing the best they can. Yes, those are positive thoughts, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about trying to maintain the belief that hard feelings shouldn't or don't exist. Did you ever see the episode of Friends called The One in Massapequa? It's where Phoebe is dating a guy named Parker, who's played by Alec Baldwin. When they first get together, Phoebe thinks he is the greatest thing. He's so positive and upbeat, which she perceives herself to be a really positive and upbeat person. But she doesn't understand the tyranny of positivity until she really spends some time with Parker. The character Parker doesn't have the range of emotions to make a deep connection with Phoebe. He is a really great example of the tyranny of positivity. And um, it didn't work out too well for their relationship. Can we just agree for this little brief time that we have that there are no good or bad emotions? Let's drop the labels. While there are feelings that we would prefer over other feelings, there are no emotions that are off-limits. Okay, it feels like I'm leading you into a little bit of dangerous territory here. So I'm going to circle back and remind you that we are playing with the space between stimulus and response. And what we're saying here is that every emotion is allowed in that space. However, this is my disclaimer, we're going to put some processing around those emotions, around the thoughts, and around our choice of response. So while every emotion is allowed into that space, it doesn't mean we're going to act on every emotion that comes into that space. We are created to experience every emotion. Sticking with that point for today. I promise I won't leave you here, but I will for this episode. (laughs) So I wanted to clarify before we move on. So back to Dr. David. 
She says the conventional view of emotions as good or bad, positive or negative, is rigid. And here's one of my favorite things she says: rigidity in the face of complexity is toxic. That is so good. I'm going to say it one more time: rigidity in the face of complexity is toxic. So think about that. Okay, think about someone standing up at your funeral and saying, "Gosh." When I think of Robin, what I remember most is the way she embraced her rigidity. I really respected that. No, thank you. Don't please don't come to my funeral and say that. I don't want to be known for being rigid. Unfortunately, that's what we become when we sort our emotions into good and bad. So remember back when I mentioned the whole skiing with the bent knees to absorb the sudden changes. Rigid knees are a very bad practice for skiing, and emotional rigidity is a bad practice for everything else. There are feelings that we don't look forward to experiencing, but no emotion is ever wasted because we learn from it. They're vibrations that deliver a message. As I was preparing for the podcast, and I was trying to think about ways that, well, just to show how emotional agility. Can affect us and how working through this principle, how the idea that we are created to experience every emotion kind of plays out. I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about a, a canoe trip that we took as a family when I was about six, and we had prepared and we'd had the safety talk, and we were wearing our life jackets, and yet inevitably our canoe did flip, and I still remember feeling completely disoriented as I went under. And I was only under a few seconds. I know that maybe not even a few seconds because my life jacket did its work and pulled me to the top. But I remember that moment in that weird time warp way when something shocking happens, of opening my eyes under the water and looking up and thinking, "Huh, I really wasn't quite prepared for this." <laughs> the shock of the cold water and the and the actually being under the water and and losing our stuff and all of those things. Yet still, I would go back and do the trip again. I there were some amazing things that came out of the trip, not the least of which was the big fat green watermelon we found at the bottom of the river that somebody had probably lost from their campsite. But anyway, it was delicious. Probably the best one I've ever tasted. Still to this day, grabbing hold of the idea of being created to experience every emotion is kind of like trying to be prepared. But looking back on it, you maybe weren't prepared. Some experiences are shocking and disorienting. But if we can get the idea that we are supposed to experience every emotion, so that we can have a full, rich, human life, then we're not quite so surprised when it happens. We're not quite so disoriented, and it's the first step toward emotional agility. So another side of some of the people you might encounter, and another thing I have seen show up with my clients, is、um, rather than just choosing to only feel positive feelings, they are fully convinced they don't have feelings; that they are completely disconnected from their emotions. And remember what our principle is: we are created to experience every emotion. Now I realize that some of us are hardwired to experience first. A more logical outlook, and second, a more empathetic outlook. And some of us are the other way around, but it doesn't mean we don't experience 
both logic and emotion. There are very few exceptions made up of rare cases of physiologically damaged or personality disorders, but those who believe they don't feel may no longer recognize emotions because at some point in their lives, they chose to disconnect to survive. It felt better at the time, and it became their method of operations or or habit. Because it worked for them before, in another situation, it sort of transferred over to another situation, and then another situation, until it was a blanket approach for all situations to deal with their emotions. It also doesn't work well, because you expend a lot of energy staying disconnected, as those emotions try to work their way to the surface. And most importantly, you stop recognizing the information the emotions exist to impart. Which brings us to the second principle, which we're going to talk about on our next episode. So for today's principle, we're created to experience every emotion. So how about you? How are you doing on that? Do you feel like you're experiencing every emotion? Are you open to experiencing every emotion? We've certainly had a lot of them highlighted that maybe don't feel so fun in the last seven months. So that's going to be it for today. But remember, I said you'd have a little bit of homework if you want it, if you choose to accept it. So on the website, the bossyourselffirst.com website, in the podcast section, you will find um, an emotional agility measurement scale. This is just for you. It's just to help you have sort of a Uh, a measurement of where you are right now so that as you work through this process, you can watch your progress. So you'll know. You'll find the Emotional Agility Measurement Scale. You'll also find an infographic. And spoiler alert, it'll have the principles that we're laying out in these first couple of episodes and our definitions for emotions and emotional agility so that we can all be on the same page and continue on in this work together. I hope you go get that scale. I really think it's important. It's something I do with my clients, not just around emotional agility, but whatever area we're working on to sort of monitor the progress because you want to be able to notice it's part of creating that awareness and awareness is the beginning of all work. Go get it. Let's do this work together. Thanks for hanging out with me, and I will see you next time on Boss Yourself First. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you found something to grab hold of and apply in your life. As always, any link or information mentioned in this episode can be found at bossyourselffirst.com in the podcast section. And if we haven't connected yet, and I would love to, DM me on Instagram at Boss Yourself First or come to the Boss Yourself First Facebook page and let me know how you're doing and what you think. I would really love to meet you. Thanks for being here and being you. Now get out there and lead with courage and kindness and boss yourself first and add your amazingness to the world. We sure need it. Talk to you soon, my friends.